when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have to admit, I feel sort of exposed uh, without my mask on up here. It's just been, it's been so long. It's just been a pattern of behavior now, and I don't know what to do with my face anymore. Um, I'll do my best to smile, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know, have you ever had one of those moments that completely shocked you? Like you were totally out of left field, something that just completely floored you, something you were not expecting. This is a true story, a moment I was completely shocked, um, and I've never told this story publicly before. So here we go. I was very young, and we were gathering for Thanksgiving at my grandmother's house, as was tradition. We would gather up in Marion, Indiana, her house is a, a big house, the kind of big house like when you're a little kid, it just takes forever to walk across. And I just remember this home being vast and enormous. The kitchen itself was just big. They had taken their garage and converted it into a gourmet kitchen. They had this huge um, butcher block table that could fit like 13 people around it. It was just this massive place for entertaining. And I was sitting where the kids sat, on these little stools on the far end, and then all the grown-ups sat, of course, on the other side so they could have adult conversation. And uh, I was on the other side, and there was my, uh, my uncles and my mom and dad and my grandma and uh, my great-aunt Pris and my sisters. We were all kind of all there eating. Um, and all of a sudden, my aunt, who was up in age at the time, sitting there, uh, just goes, ugh. 
at the table in front of all of us. And my, uh, my grandmother was a nurse, and my uh, uncle was a nurse, and so they just look over and go, Pris? Nothing. They take her pulse? Nothing. And they get up, and they, uh, they sort of just move her to the sunroom, and they're like, we're having a discussion, like, what do we do? This just happened at the dining room table during Thanksgiving. <laughs> and they lay her down in the sunroom, and we see it before we, we um, sorry, we, we hear it before we see it. We're sitting there having this conversation about what to do next, and all of a sudden, the porch door we hear open, and Pris gets up and walks back to the table like nothing had happened. It was this bizarre moment. We were, we were like, well, um, out of all the things we were expecting to happen at Thanksgiving, that one did not make the list. <laughs> it was one of those shocking moments. I'm a big Indianapolis Colts fan, and when they won the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, I was like, I was not expecting that. I mean, as a little kid, I rooted for it, you know what I mean? But like, it happened. Some of you are Astros fans, and when they won the World Series, you were like, they did it! You know, you were not expecting it. Have you ever had any of those moments where something happens that you were not expecting, and you were completely floored by shock and awe? And as we get older, right, fewer things take us by surprise. Nod your head. I know this is true. Things happen, and I'm like, well, you know, if I was younger, and maybe I, I might not have seen it go that way, but I, I've seen things now, and yeah, I anticipated that. Or you aren't shocked so much by it. The disciples in our story could not say that. <laughs> Something happens to the disciples, and they are shocked and thrown off their rocker. They don't know what to do. It completely reorients their life, and they are sort of uh, left in the fallout of Jesus coming back from the dead. That's not the first piece. The second piece is he appears in a locked room in the middle and scares them all so much that he has to say, yo, dude, calm down, peace, be with y'all. They are shocked, and they don't know what to do. This selection from John that we heard is quite the doozy. There's a, there's a ton of stuff in there that we could sit with today. There's this whole sort of Pentecost light experience where Jesus breathes on them and they receive the Spirit, right? Nod your head, you heard that. That's in there. We could talk about that. I'm, I'm not going to. Um, there's this whole entire thing about Jesus says, if you forgive people's sins, they're forgiven. And if you don't, then they aren't. Like, that's never been abused before in the whole entire history of the church. So we could spend a whole entire sermon talking about that, but we're not going to. Say that for another time. Then there's this whole entire bit at the end where it says that Jesus did a whole bunch of other stuff that this book cannot comprehend and hold all things that he does. So much so that, like, maybe it should, I don't know, impact our lives somehow. Which raises questions for me. Like, did Jesus talk about Wall Street? Or did he talk about like proper law enforcement or about hedge fund management or like what car I should buy or space exploration and the ethics of that? I don't know. I don't know. It's not in the Bible. How am I supposed to live my life, right? I'm supposed to engage this text in a particular way. We're going to skip past some of those uh, difficult verses. And today I want to focus on um, the human element in the story. I want, to, I want to focus on the disciple Thomas and I want to focus on the rest of the disciples and their interaction and reaction with Jesus and what they do and what they don't do in this story. And I think there's a lot for us to wrestle with today as a church. 
We will remember with clarity the events of the past week. Jesus was betrayed, crucified, dead, and buried. And the women who followed after Jesus, they go to the tomb, and it is empty. The disciples see the empty tomb in the Gospel of John, and they go back to where they were staying, right? They go back to this sort of place, maybe where they had been for the Passover. Mary Magdalene encounters the risen Christ. She talks with him. She hugs him and then goes and tells the other disciples about it. And this raises the first question that I have about our passage. The first question I have is, did they even believe her when they come in? Like like Peter and John are there and they sort of see the empty tomb, but do they believe that Mary has this encounter with Jesus that is unexplainable? Do they believe her? It's unclear. They don't take any action a theme that we are going to return to again and again today. The events of chapter 20 all take place on what the author says is the first day. That's it. The demarcation of time in the story is that it's the first day. The women go to the tomb early in the morning, and it's still dark. The disciples find the tomb empty, and the women report, and they go back, and they are there in that house. Uh, Then Mary reports about her sighting, which took place in the early morning, and then they hang out, And it's only that evening that Jesus appears to them in the locked room. That's the big framework for our story. And there's three details that I want to drill down into out of all this. The first is that Jesus appears to them, and what's the first thing he says to them? He says, peace. Peace. In fact, it seems to be important to John because Jesus says it three times to the disciples. He tells them again and again, Peace, peace, and peace. They are in this room and the doors are locked, which raises a question, why are the doors locked? And the author tells us they're locked because they're afraid of the Jews. They're afraid of what they did to Jesus, and if they find out that they follow Jesus, maybe they're going to do to them what they did to Jesus, which is kill them. And so they're afraid And Jesus' words to them in their fear are peace, peace, peace. Friends, peace is greater than fear. Peace is greater than fear. But this raises another question for me. What in the world is peace? What does it look like in your life to have peace? I teach a thing by Dave Ramsey called financial peace. So I know what it's like to sort of have my house in order, my checkbook balanced, and have an IRA, and have peace that way. But that's not a peace that passes understanding. That's not a peace that when life goes completely off the rails, that I feel at peace. No amount of money can provide peace in that way. So what is peace? When Jesus says peace to the disciples, What is he talking about? And John doesn't tell us. There's no footnote. There's no like, you know, short little definition. There's no hyperlink in the story that says, this is what Jesus meant when he said peace. It's not there. So friends, what is biblical peace? What is this understanding of peace? My short and dirty definition today is that it's whole trust in God. It's knowing that God is going to be with you no matter what happens. When life is going great, swell, grand, beautiful, and you're hashtag blessed, 
God's peace is there. When life stinks, when it's awful, when you lose the job, when the friend dies, when you don't know what to do next, when there's a pandemic, God is there. You're blessed. God is with you. Peace. Peace is greater than fear. And I think that's something the disciples needed to hear probably three times. (laughs) That's why Jesus said it three times. Friends, you are huddled in this locked room and you are afraid. Peace. God will be with you. But Jesus, what about peace? God will be with you. But Jesus, you don't understand peace. God will be with you. Peace. Peace is greater than fear. It's the first detail of the story that sort of caught my attention as I was looking over this passage. The second detail that sort of catches my attention about this story is that Jesus meets them where they are, literally. <laughs> right? Jesus doesn't say like, well, you got to come down to the cathedral to find me. Jesus meets them where they are, so much so that a locked door can't stop them. He appears so much so that even Thomas's, you know, rigmarole, a list of doubts can't stop Jesus. Jesus meets them where they are. He meets them in their fear. He meets them at their home. He meets them where they work. He meets them where they are in their faith journey with God. He meets them in the middle of that. Friends, if there's room for Thomas, there's room for you. If you struggle with your doubt, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thomas makes the, he makes the highlight reel in the Gospels because he says, I don't even believe in this guy. I don't even say, you said he rose from the dead. I don't believe you. You're full of it, Mary. Peter, you're full of it too. And Jesus appears to him, meets him where he is. and says, Thomas, I understand you got some doubts, brother. And Thomas goes, you bet I got some doubts. Jesus says, let's go. Jesus meets Thomas and the disciples where they are. If there's room for Thomas at the table, friends, there is room for you. I promise you that. Fear is greater, sorry, uh, peace is greater than our fear, and if there's room for Thomas, there's room for you. The third detail that sort of captures my imagination about this story and something that I've been sitting with for a little bit is that an encounter with Jesus here should propel us to action out there. And this is the most interesting thing about the story to me. Of course, if you preach this, you'd probably say, Josh, there's something more interesting, and I'd say, okay, you're right. But to me, as I said, I was wrestling with this passage. This is the most interesting thing about this passage to me, right? Okay, they encounter Jesus at the garden, and what do they do? They go start the church, right? No, they, they go back to a room, and they lock the doors, and they throw the furniture against it, and they hide out of fear. They don't do anything, They encountered the resurrected Christ, and they didn't do anything. Jesus appears to them. He breathes on them that sweet Holy Spirit mojo, right? And then they go start the church, right? No, they're still afraid. They don't do anything. This is crazy. Jesus has now appeared to them twice in really different ways. He gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit and says, get going, The Father sent me, I'm sending you. He breathes on them the Holy Spirit, and they say, lock the doors. (laughs) Throw all the furniture against the wall and get down. Hide. (laughs) They don't do anything. A week passes. And where does Jesus find them again with Thomas? 
in the same space, doing nothing, afraid again. I am shocked, shocked by their inaction. But maybe I'm not that shocked. Because if I'm really honest, sometimes my encounter with God or my faith has not always led me to faithful action. And maybe we are a lot more like the disciples than we want to admit. And that sometimes our interaction with Jesus does not lead us to action. But friends, an interaction with the risen Christ here should lead us to action out there. Amen? So I want to sit with that for a second, and I want to have some ideas on why that is. What are some things we can say about this encounter with Jesus that should propel us to action out there? So as I think about that, the first is we have to come face to face with our doubt like Thomas. we got to ask the question, do you believe in the resurrection? Do you? Is it more than lip service? Do you believe in the resurrection? Because the disciples came face to face with it, and it radically changed their lives in ways that they probably could not articulate or understand or know the consequences of. Do you believe in the resurrection? It's good news. And when we believe in the resurrection, when we confess together that we believe in the resurrection, it changes who we are, and it propels us to live as, as if that really is true, as if it changes who we are as people. The second is to recognize the purpose of why we gather in the first place. The reason why we gather is to be sent out. If you hear the story, the disciples keep gathering out of fear. <laughs> they kind of huddle together, saying, oh, there's strength in numbers. Let's all get together and lock all the doors. The reason why we gather here is to be sent out as the disciples were. The work to be done is out there. It's not here. The work to be done is out there. It's not here. And last, our, our gathering here serves a few purposes. And I think it's always important to know why we gather. Friends, we, we gather together for prayer and to proclaim the good news that Christ has risen and to encourage each other and spur each other on, as Paul says, in good works. We are to come alongside each other and to encourage each other in the faith. You are to be both encouraged and challenged. And so those are things that we do together when we gather for worship week in, week out, and we remember the resurrected Christ. It is to spur us on to action in the community. And so friends, I think that we have truly encountered good news in this text. We've encountered a faith that is bigger than our fear as we understand the peace of God. We understand that if there's room for Thomas at the table, there's room for you. And we understand that when we encounter the risen Christ, it should spur us on to great action in the community. So may we have the courage to follow God in that. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.